Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. A couple weeks off here, but we're back. I kind of remember how to do things here. I don't think I screwed up too badly there in the beginning, but let me make sure that I put stuff back on the air for the Red Sox game. Or else that'll get that'll get me in trouble. So it's great to be back here after a couple weeks off. Uh, this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal pretty much each and every Saturday night. And we'll be with you for a lot of Saturday nights coming forward because we don't have a lot of other things planned in the weeks ahead. But, oh, that's a little creaky. But uh, we will say that it's, uh, it's been a interesting couple of weeks since we last spoke to you. Of course, uh, I went on the paranormal cruise with Stephanie and Porter. That was a good time. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And also, last week, uh, we took the night off because we had the opportunity to go and see Taylor Cormier, WBSM News Director, and myself, along with our friend Scott Renish. Uh, we had the chance to go over to the uh, Gilbert Gottfried show at Whites of Westport, and we actually got the chance to sit down before the show and interview Gilbert Gottfried. You know how they say, don't meet your heroes? Well, that doesn't count when it comes to Gilbert Gottfried because he's one of my favorite comedians, if not my absolute favorite. And he was so nice. He was so humble. He was so unassuming. He, you wouldn't even know that he was the star of the show from the way that he was interacting with people and hanging out and all of that. So we recorded a, a good uh, 10, 12-minute interview with him, uh, mostly about his podcast, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, because Taylor and I are huge fans of the podcast, and all of you out there should be as well. If you've never listened to it, you need to, to tune in and check it out. You can get it on Stitcher or wherever apps or uh, wherever podcasts are found. But... Uh, we had the chance to really sit down and, and pick his brain a little bit about that podcast. And we talked a bit about some things that pertain to Spooky South Coast. You know, I'd wanted to get him to talk, open up about the Universal Monsters because he's a big Universal Monsters fan. And I figured that would fit into the show perfectly. But it, it took a little bit of a turn. We had him do some impressions that he does that are really good. Some of you may re know the impressions. Some of you may not. And, uh, and we actually ended it with a song. So all that is coming up a little bit later on in the show. But we also will talk about, um, the, well, we'll have the Week in Weird. And I always say each week that Matt Blystein has kind of outdone himself with the Week in Weird, but this week I think he definitely has. So stay tuned for that as well. And then, you know, if it's one thing we talk about on the show, yeah, it's the paranormal. That's kind of part of the show. But come on, what, what's it really all about? It's all about the snacks, right? So there's a box behind me that you can see on Spooky TV right now. A big box behind me that is from Japan. And that box is full of some treats from our friend Spook Cat out in Japan, who is actually listening right now live. Uh, so thank you to Spook Cat for that. We will open it up on the air because there's nothing better on a paranormal radio show than listening to the host unbox gifts that they receive from listeners, right? Yep. That's, uh, that's what all the good paranormal radio shows do she gets the joke so it's okay so we will do that a little bit later on as well but before we get into all of that we have somebody popping on for a little bit to join us to talk about an exciting new project that i think all of you will have an interest in and also maybe have an interest in helping to support so let's bring on frank durant right now frank are you with us i think we got him on a little bit of a delay Hi, Frank. You, are you there? I know he's there. I can hear him. Frank, Frank, you with us? Hi, Frank. Are you there? Tim, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? 
Hello? Hi. Hold on. How about now? Can you hear me now? Are you there, Tim? I'm here now. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Whoa. I'm going to keep pressing buttons till it works. It's an audition. That should work. I can't work. hear you. I think you can hear me. I can hear you. What? Matt's going to try and fix it. We'll we'll fix it in post. I think I have everything set up correctly. Oh, you know what? I have to hit the. I've turned the phone button on. Can you hear me now, Frank? I hear someone now. Hi, Tim. Okay. Hi. Sorry about that. Jeez. <laughs> out of all the Saturday problems night, it happens. out of all the problems that I was having like you know pressing all the different buttons that put stuff out to video and puts it was just simply turning on the phone gotcha <laughs> that was the problem so uh, that's what happens when I have two weeks off you can't trust me to to come back and be able to do the job correctly no worries it, it's funny though during production we had a lot of issues <laughs> at, at Maplecroft when we filmed this I wonder is it is it an evil spirit or just a someone messing with us so it hasn't ended oh it's still going on even after you've you've been there and already kind of made peace with whatever's there you're still having after effects well obviously the, the phone wouldn't work so i'm assuming okay we're not we're not through the, the you know we're not at the end yet well i mean that could just as well be my own curse too so i don't know i've, I've got i've got my own things that follow me around from some of this stuff but let's talk about this project that you're working on it's called t with Lizzie Borden, and uh, yep. for anybody that listens to the show, you know we we know the Lizzie Borden story inside and out. But you have a, a different and new and fresh take on the Lizzie Borden story. Well, yeah, if, if you're a fan of Lizzie Borden, you know there are tons of movies and documentaries out there. A lot of them basing on the paranormal, and they've always talked about the uh, the femme fatale, uh, the murder of the parents, but no one's ever done a depiction of Lizzie Borden the last weeks of her life. So the idea is a historical fiction of he with Lizzie Borden, where a local news reporter, a young man in his 20s from the floor of the Herald, receives a letter from somebody named Mr. Maplecroft asking for his, uh, for his time to go to Maplecroft and to uh, come for a newsworthy story. Uh, so when the young reporter shows up, he sees an old elderly woman um, dying of pneumonia on her back porch, and through a little bit of conversation, he realizes there is no... Mr. Maplecroft or Mrs. Maplecroft, but he's actually having tea with notorious Lizzie Borden. Hmm. And and that gives you the opportunity, you know, to have it be the final days of her life. That would seem like the perfect time she would want to get things off of her chest. Well, that's as you assume. He's assuming, oh, my God, this is a deathbed confession, and I get to be the young reporter who finally has a, you know, Lizzie Borden's last word. And in return, Lizzie Borden's actually asking him to help her write her obituary. Hmm. So as a news reporter would or a journalist, he starts to do that for her, but as it goes on, it becomes a investigation and becomes an, you know, him asking a lot of questions until Lizzie is, is faced with the question, did you or did you not commit the murder? And when, when putting this together, I mean, obviously, you know, you have to put yourself in her shoes and, and kind of speculate a little bit, but I'm assuming that you probably did, you know, a good amount of research to, to see, like, how she felt about uh, what happened in the years after the trial and to kind of get into her mindset that she may have had and how she might have approached uh, such a conversation. Well, absolutely. There's many books written on people who knew of Lizzie Borden or worked for her or even people who had associated with her in the last years of her life. And if you talk to the Woods family who owned the bed and breakfast and now the new uh, Maplecroft, which they're turning into a, um, a bed and breakfast as well, there's a ton of information of primary sources that they've collected over the years 
where they will almost be the real primary source of how Lizzie Boyden had dealt with the press throughout her whole life and how at the anniversary of the trials, every year there was a news reporter knocking on her front door asking, hey, is Miss, would Miss Boyden care to be interviewed? And she said no every year for the last 35-plus years of her life. So there is, you know, there is that need to, to make peace with what happens. But also, I think Lizzie Borden was somebody who was very much, um, she was concerned about what her legacy was going to be. I mean, she left money to animals, to the animal shelter, that they still get money from every year from her estate. So exactly. it's, you know, she was very concerned about what people were going to think about her long after she was gone. Well, one of the things she talked about, she basically stayed in Fall River her whole life. She could have changed her name, disappeared, and back then there was no internet. There was no mass media. So who's to say someone would say, I recognize that woman from the newspapers. There are only you know, caricatures of her. So she could have disappeared, changed her name, and changed her life, and not lived in the city that, that she lived in. She had a lot of pride. So like you said, she did care to a degree, but at the same time, she you, you want to assume she had made peace of always been guilty her whole life, even though she was proven innocent. You know, and it's funny because, you know, we, we talked to you, we were, we were trying to hook up with you uh, back when you were actually filming uh, at Maplecroft, but we ran into some scheduling issues because I'm stupid and can't keep a calendar correctly. Uh, but I, think that, I think that's part of the curse. Like everything from <laughs> a neighbor cutting his grass in the early morning at 7 o'clock in the morning when we were trying to shoot oh, man. to... There's a hospital right next door, so there was an mm-hmm. ambulance every 30 minutes. There was an airplane flying over every half an hour. So we were shocked to have actually gotten the entire film uh, shot that day. But there was everything from technical issues to people, just personality to just everything from the coffee being not warm enough. There's always something going, okay, why am I being held back? This, like, this, something's holding us from keeping this, making the story happen. But eventually, after a long 12-hour day, we, we got the footage, and uh, we're currently in post-production. But I, I do think that it's uh, it's kind of appropriate that we are talking to you this week as well, though, because, you know, if you look at what's coming up, we're coming up on the anniversary of her death, right? Correct. Uh, she she passed away, I want to say, actually June 1st, yeah, right mm-hmm. around the corner. So, so it's always what tends to happen, too, with us here on this show is we get around these these milestones for the Lizzie Borden story. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and whether it's intentional, most of the time it's not. You know, we, we help kind of keep feeding into her legacy you know, present another side of the story, or at least one possible side of the story. You're not trying to, um, you're not trying to solve the murders with this. Mm-hmm. Was that kind of, well, a, think, was, was that something that you were consciously aware of that, you know, uh, th- there's no way to really be able to solve it. So you really just kind of have to present it from that perspective of here's just one possibility. Well, yeah, I think one of the reasons why the, the Woods family, uh, like the screenplay because it really didn't have to do anything with the paranormal where there's tons of people always trying to show up and try to find the spirit or the ghost of lizzie borden mm-hmm. uh for this being a different genre i think they were like oh my god this would be a first in a very long time because there's t- tons of fans uh worldwide that will fly in and actually come to of all places fall river because the lizzie borden name and, and the story still holds true to a lot of people because of the, the ghastly murder it was a, a daughter killing her stepmother and father, and also she was the O.J. Simpson trial of, of the era where she, she got off when really public perception was she was guilty of sin. So to have kind of a depiction of not the, you know, like I mentioned before, the femme fatale or even about the trial, this is literally an old woman who knows that she'll be dead by the end of the week, and really that's a different perspective of a young girl trying to get off of murder. She's 
coming to death very soon. So I'm doing research not just on um, the story of Lizzie Borden, but also the, the language people spoke in the 1920s, uh, it was not very different from how we speak today, but there were different words and phrases and how people pronounced, because people had always asked, did Lizzie Borden have an accent? You know, for me, as you can tell, I'm from the Rhode Island area, but, you know, was Lizzie Borden a, a true Victorian woman who still spoke proper English? So there's a lot of research to say, how, how do I cast this? How do I portray her as an old woman in, in, in her 60s? But also, how is she going to hold herself as the Lizzie Borden of who you read about, as opposed to maybe she was a nice old woman, like you mentioned, leaving money for her uh, for, for animal care? And and so now with uh, you know you've you've done some of the filming at Maplecroft. Uh, what's what's left uh, in the pipeline before we can see this come out? What's still left to be done in the process? And 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 can people still help out with it? One thing we have an uh, Indiegogo page. If you were to Google T with Lizzie Borden, you'll, you'll easily find it on a lot of different Lizzie Borden Facebook pages. Everybody's promoting the um, the help just to raise some final funding for post production. I currently have a, a staff of editors working on it to sync sound to make sure everything is color corrected. So any donations uh, would go to the um, post-production team just to give them some extra funds to help them hopefully have this edited by the end of June. Excellent. And then uh, what are the plans for the premiere? Is it going to be an internet premiere? Are you going to be renting out a theater in Fall River? Or? Yeah, actually, the, the days of renting out theaters, uh, when I started doing this 20 years ago, that was always the game plan of renting out the Columbus Cinema in Providence or finding a local cinema in Massachusetts. Now it's really throwing it on YouTube or Vimeo and just letting the public have it in, uh, mm-hmm. in public domain. Uh, the goal of this really was just to tell the story. Uh, when I wrote it, I thought this was a great script, and then I you know, convinced actors and people to help produce it. So really the, the, the funding goes to just getting this out there, so hopefully it just adds my two cents, but also gives a different depiction of, of, of the whole Lizzie Borden uh, chronicles. Well, thank you for joining us and for, for letting us know about this project and uh, let us know when it's uh, out there and people can check it out for themselves and we'll be sure to spread the word and, and uh, we'll we'll make sure that we let everybody know that it's out there and we'll see what people take away from this. I think, you know, more than anything is they're going to see a human Lizzie Borden after the trial. You know, they're going to they're gonna be able to put a face to it. They're going to be able to, even if it's just an actress playing her, but they're going to be mm-hmm. able to kind of humanize who Lizzie Borden was following the trial, which is something I think, unfortunately, has never really been done. Everybody wants to tell the story of the murders, but nobody ever wants to humanize what, she was, what it was like for her to live in Fall River in the years following the murders. Exactly. Thank you again, Tim. All right. Take care and, uh, and keep in touch. Have a good night. That is Frank Durant of the film Tea with Lizzie Borden. And, uh, and again, we will let you know when it comes out there because I'm interested. I definitely want to see how it is that, uh, that they portray her because, uh, listen, Moniz, you've been doing this for a long time. You know, we, we've been doing this program for, for 13 years and we started researching Lizzie Borden pretty much from the very beginning. Yep. And people always ask us all the time, like, do we think she did it? And my opinion has always been it doesn't matter. For what I do, it doesn't matter if she did it or not. Because I'm not interested in the murders themselves. I'm interested in all the things that have happened from a paranormal sense after the murders. But that's a, it's a question that you know, will never get answered. Even though there's rumors that there's you know, Lizzie Borden's personal inquest uh, is in the the lawyer's office in Springfield under lock and key can never be revealed and all that stuff. But the, the it's, it's, it's unsolvable for any of us to try to solve it. 
Not with the information that we have. Right. So if that's going to be the case, all you're doing is speculating. And so it really doesn't help for me to try to come up with a hypothesis. Do I think it's possible that she did it? Sure. Did she have the motivation? Yep. Did she have the means? Absolutely. But just like O.J. Simpson, you know, unfortunately, they couldn't prove it. And that's what it is. Like, she was never convicted of the murders, at least in the court of law. That doesn't Openly mean she, convicted. doesn't yeah. mean she didn't do it. Just like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like 95% sure O.J. Simpson killed those people. Yeah. But they couldn't prove it. Right. And so the same thing happened with, with Lizzie Borden. So I'm kind of past the point though where it matters for the story. It matters, of course, if you yeah. want Andrew and Abby Borden to have justice right. for their murders. But in terms of what it is that we do, I don't dwell on it. Yeah, answered unanswered questions. Yeah, people want closure. I, I get that. But what you're talking about, the paranormal, okay, whether she did or did it, do it, you're right. <laughs> what, what, what's it really going to change if you know? And even if it does, I mean, it'll only change the questions that you ask. Yeah. And what's funny is that everybody's asked those questions anyway. There's been people who have come in from the perspective of, I know Lizzie did it. There's been people who have come in from the perspective of, there's no way Lizzie could have done it. And all of those questions from either perspective have all been asked. And did she do it with somebody else? And did somebody else do it for her? And, you know, a number of different iterations. And what's funny is the interesting question that's come up now, and we've we touched on it a little bit here on the show, is that we talked about it with Chip Coffee and, and Amy Bruni uh, a few weeks ago. And that is that now that Maplecroft is going to be open for people to check out and investigate and stay in and all that kind of stuff once they get everything finalized with it, how can Lizzie Borden be haunting two places at once? Does her spirit move from 92 Second Street over to Maplecroft and that's where she stays? Has it always been at 92 Second, uh, always been at Maplecroft? And what we're talking to in Second Street is not Lizzie Borden. You know, there's or all, could it be neither? Or it could be both. Yeah. You know, that's that's what's fascinating about it. But I think that the important part of this as we go forward with the story is we have proof of a place where a tragedy happened. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no doubt that there was yeah. a double murder in that in that house. Correct. Amongst other things that have happened on, in that house and on that property over the years. And then we have another house where that didn't happen. So we we have the traumatic place and we have the place where there was no trauma we have the place where lizzie borden had some of her worst memories and the place where she probably had some of her best memories Mm -hmm. and so it's going to be fascinating since the lizzie borden house has been open now for 23 years thereabouts for for bed and breakfast as a bed and breakfast and as a place that people have been exploring paranormally speaking you know over the course of the next 23 years that both places will be open it'll be really interesting to see what kind of stuff comes out because now we've got it's almost like, I don't want to say it's almost like, a, you know, um, having it be under the scientific method where you can, <laughs> t- but you, you do, you, you almost have your, you know, you almost have your control environment with Maplecroft right. where you know that there was no axe murders happen there. So I think it'll be fascinating to see kind of over time as it builds what ends up happening here because you know my theory about what goes on there. We've talked about it many times. 
personally and on their show, yep. there's something much more malevolent than any human beings, any murders. You know, maybe the term is elemental. Uh, I don't think it's demonic, but it's something evil, something and something dark. Whatever word you want to appro- you want to attach to it, that's what's there, and it feeds off the negativity of what goes there on there. So what happens if that thing doesn't exist in Maplecroft. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh-huh. I look forward to it. We, we've we got access. and Well, it, well, but I'm talking about the long term. We can, we can only do so much. I'm talking about when we have all of this. Because let's face it, Lizzie Borden, the, the bed and breakfast is one of the most investigated places in the world. Yeah. So... All these years that people were trying to start these databases for places like that would have been one of the prime spots to uh, to to have be a data collector, and so I think we'll see the same with Maplecroft, and it's just you want to see how they collate, and not only that, but I want to see I want to see if the same people have the same experiences from one place to the other, you know, mm. because then is it something that's around the person? And you know, there's just so much, so many layers to it that it's it it's very unique that we have two ends of the story now when so many of these haunted locations we just have one part of it. Yeah. You know, like even if we got access to the Amityville house today, you still only have the Amityville house. So when the Lutzes claim that whatever was there followed them to California, well you don't have access to go to that house in California. Or when, you know, when uh, Chris Lutz is saying that it's still harassing him today, I mean, we could probably ask him if we can go to his yeah. house, but still, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, what I'm saying is it's, it's, you still only just have one piece of the puzzle. Here you've got another piece, and maybe that other piece helps you put together the picture a little bit better. Well, if, like what you're saying, she could be in both places at the same time. You know, she shared half of her life in one location, the other half, in the other. Right. And you could also say, though, that, you know, if you are dead, you get to choose where it is that you go, if you go at all. You know, some people would say you're supposed to move on and move into the light. Some people will say you can come back if you want. Some people say you'll come back if you have unfinished business. Whatever the different right. well, you got, attributions are they put on it. You, you got things like crisis haunting. Somebody dies in that location far away and visits a loved one that's like you know either 10 miles or 100 miles or a thousand miles away you know oh grandma came and sat on my bed you know so why wouldn't she be able to go you know but but my point (laughs) is she wouldn't want to go to second street if she had that free will so what happens if the lizzie borden and this is you know all speculation what happens if the lizzie borden that we encounter at maplecroft tells us that the Lizzie Borden that we talked to at Second Street isn't her. Hmm. Well, you and I have seen something in there. Oh, we've seen what, it. With, yeah, we've seen it with our own eyes. Right, yeah. yeah. What it is, I I can verify that I saw it with you, mm-hmm. and we had several other witnesses. Thanks to those kids too for never giving <laughs> us the video footage. <laughs> yeah, that, because that was absolutely wild watching that, and it was. Even more fun to watch them Scooby-Doo up the stairs. Yeah, for those who, who aren't familiar with the story, I'll just tell it real quick because I probably told it a, a thousand times here on the show. But it was uh, it was on the anniversary of the murders, and yep. Moniz and I just stopped by to say hi because we were in the neighborhood. Yep. I think we were going to uh, go into the Quickishan Club that yeah. night. 
So we just stopped by to say hi. And while we were there, there was two teenage kids that were doing their own little like video investigation of the house. And so we went down to the basement with them because there was still reenactment stuff going on upstairs. And so we went down to the basement and, um, while we were in the basement, we saw a shadow figure and the shadow figure stood and stared at us. And then as we made a move toward it, it disappeared. Well, it not disappeared. Like it, it ran, yeah. like it took off and we watched it move from, there's a uh, different rooms within the basement. We chased it from room to room for almost an hour. And every time we would get a little close to it, it would take off. Oh, yep. So, uh, and those kids, those kids were running video footage the entire time. But you know what? You know why? You know why? I know that we haven't seen that footage. Do you remember what the fatal flaw was to them trying to record that video? Um, because we we ragged yeah. on them about it. They didn't have IR. Uh, yeah. They just took a regular video camera down into the dark. I'm like, this will work, right? This is just going to turn green like on Ghost Hunters. No. doesn't work that way. But maybe those kids are listening. And maybe uh, maybe they've taken that video and enhanced it over the years and can send it. No, they just they taped over it. Yeah, I'm sure. But it was definitely some sort of shadow that just autonomously moved on its own. It blocked light. It blocked other objects. It... It uh, it interacted with us, yep. and uh, I don't know why we felt that it was whatever the negative thing is in there that's down there, but we we felt that, and it did not. F- I remember feeling sick. It was from it. not. It, it was not a welcoming feeling. I do not. I usually had, don't yeah. get sick from spirits, but I felt ill after that. So definitely an interesting night uh, that night. And speaking of interesting nights. We've had some interesting nights since the last time that we were together. Oh, by the way, I want to say hi to everybody out there. If you're listening at the uh, at the Nick Groff and Elizabeth Saint event in Winchenden, uh, Nick had invited me to come on up and join them, but I, I declined because we hadn't done the show in a couple of weeks, and I wanted to have the chance to, uh, to come and talk to everybody and to catch everybody up on what we were doing. But I was hoping Stephanie would come in. She's, she's uh, still feeling a little bit under the weather. So I was hoping she would come in because... We had some really, really interesting stuff happen to us while we were in Bermuda that is part of a a bigger picture. We had the same spirit kind of following us around and interacting with us in different locations across Bermuda. So when we got it through Echovox, we got it through the Estes method, we got it through a number of different ways. And so I think we will probably put that together for at least a segment of a show, probably not an entire show, but at some point we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in depth and we'll see if we can bring Porter on too, because, um, you know, he was there for it as, as well as a number of our friends that were there with us on the trip. But I will say this, the food was especially good on this cruise. I mean, this food's always good on a yeah. cruise, but on this one, it was especially good. So, uh, the final night I had, uh, I had prime rib. Okay. That was uh, for my appetizer, I had uh, seared scallops, nice. or as everybody else said, them scallops. Those were surprisingly not that good. Oh. So, for those of you who live in New England, trust me, there's a difference between New England scallops and scallops from other places. These other scallops just didn't taste like anything. So, but I had those, and I had bully base, which bully base is not an easy thing to make. It's not an easy thing to get. The saffron alone will cost you an arm and a leg. And I'm just mad about saffron. <laughs> and 
Saffron's just mad about you. Yep. So that's, uh, I just deal with that. And then uh, the... Nice Donovan reference. <laughs> I love Donovan. And then uh, the uh, the prime rib. Yeah. So that was a good uh, good final meal. And what did I have for dessert that night? Uh, I don't remember what I had for dessert that night. Oh, is that weird? It was um, some chocolate like custard, coffee custard. Really good. But uh, yeah. So anyway... Food aside, yeah, it was a it was a great time. We made a lot of new friends, as well as spent time with some old friends. So, if uh, if you missed out, hopefully we'll do another one. I'd like to do another one. It was really fun. It's very interesting to bring people from all over the country, and have them come together in this one place, and bring their own stories from their own experiences from their own places. So as you're sitting around the bar having a couple of drinks, and you know after after dinner or whatever and you get to talk and you get to hear all about their experiences and all of the things that they've found and discovered and checked out and some of the folks had never even been on a paranormal investigation so we also found out that we might have been the first people to ever investigate a certain historic location in bermuda hmm. and i think we weirded the people out that ran the glass bottom boat tour but we actually <laughs> okay. investigated inside the Bridgewater, Bridgewater, inside the Bermuda Triangle, over the spot of a shipwreck, which was an intentional shipwreck. They 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 okay. sunk the ship to form a reef. Um, but we we turned it on there, and trust me, it was not lost on everybody that we were in the Bermuda Triangle, like trying paranormal experiments. We were there was a slight concern about whether or not we would be returning. So I said I tried to alleviate the crew's concerns by saying it's kind of like cocoon. Like they'll just take us and you guys can go back and tell everybody the story. But, you know, like we we might actually disappear. But it was a it was a good time. And it's uh, if you've never been to Bermuda, I recommend it. It the best part about this cruise was we got the most fascinating tour guide, uh a bus driver actually, to drive us to from the 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 dockyard across Bermuda to St. George's. And he gave us so much Bermudan history, and he was a guy that was into the paranormal, so he knew like just some of the good paranormal stories to tell us too, and we we came away with so much information. So if we do go back, we've got all kinds of plans about what else we want to do. Well, Gatlin's not all that big. No, it's not. Twenty two miles, miles. Yeah. and uh, and only like I think it's like, like six miles wide. I think it's two miles at its at its at its widest point. So. It's really, really very small, and uh, and every it's very expensive too because everything has to be oh, imported yeah. into the island. They have like no real natural resources, and um, I, when when they told me, as we you know, we were just talking about like some of the things that they have and they don't have, like one of the things they don't have is they don't have hornets and wasps because nobody's ever brought them there, <laughs> so they don't have any. I was like, well, this is paradise to me then. I want to live here because I hate hornets and wasps. <laughs> But uh, we did the last day that we were there. They had a monsoon, like just a regular storm yep. for them. But a, a storm for them, a thunderstorm for them, would be like a hurricane for us. You know, we're talking fifty-five mile an hour winds. There's no protection coming right in off the ocean, and it was uh, it was incredible. Glad that we got to experience that. Hey, maybe we can form a reciprocal partnership with people in Bermuda. You know, One triangle to another. Yeah. As long as they bring some of the Bermudan fish stew, 
Okay. The official dish of Bermuda, I guess, or one of the official dishes. Have you ever have you ever heard of this? It's it's like a heard dark, of it, never had it. It's like a dark, like you know, like a little bit of a darker based fish stew. Okay. And then when they bring it to you, they bring you this cherry pepper sauce to pour into it Uh-oh. and rum. Ooh. And so the rum that they bring is it's just a freaking bottle of rum right there in the in the little caddy, and you can pour as much rum as you want to into the soup and. It's the first time in my life I think I ever got drunk off a of soup, but it was good. I also discovered Dark and Stormies, ah. which changed my life. <laughs> All right, so that uh, that does it for rambling on about the cruise, but we will we will talk about some of the paranormal aspects on that coming up on a future episode. I know that Porter said that um, based on the information that he got, uh, that we got on the investigations, he was trying to piece some of that together because we got very, very, very specific information. So he's trying to find out if we can piece that together with actual records and uh, and put something together because it's we got the name of a captain, the name of a ship, the year that it happened, all that stuff. So it should be easily verifiable if indeed uh, we were getting the truth. So we'll keep you up to date on that as well. Uh, we will also, uh, a little bit later on, we'll play The Week and Weird and we'll play our Gilbert Gottfried interview. But what do you think? Before we go to the interview... And we run 12 minutes of us talking with Gilbert Gottfried, which, by the way, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, there is no video of the Gilbert Gottfried interview. Um, I made a YouTube clip of it where I just took the photo of us with Gilbert because I was expecting to interview him after the show. I was expecting to have him perform, and then we would get him for 15 minutes or so after the program, after the, the set was over. And it just so happened that, like, he wanted to do it first. So I was set up to record the audio, but I hadn't been able to set up the video yet. So, unfortunately, I did not get to take video of it. But it was it was really just, you know, Taylor and myself sitting at a table with Gilbert Gottfried. Um, there's there's some photos uh, online of that. But generally, it's, it's you know, the audio is where the where it really is. And I, I, think, I think Gilbert prefers it that way because they don't do any video aspect of uh, of his podcast they do like they'll do facebook live videos but for the most part they don't they haven't incorporated a video aspect so i'm sure he'll be fine with us running the audio only but before we do that we should probably open our snacks right sure all right so i'm gonna get this box i'm a little bit tied over here with the... so i don't want to hold it up because i don't want to put uh spook cat's address on the camera, but I also don't want to rip rip any of this stuff either because, like, it's pretty cool that it came all the way from Japan. So I'm gonna try and peel that back a little bit without ripping it. It's also it's amazing how much like hoops have to be jumped through to send stuff internationally. Oh yeah, especially when there's food involved. Uh, it's, that's actually quite regulated because of. Pests and insects and various others. That's how you get hornets in Bermuda. You want yeah. hornets in Bermuda? That's how you get you hornets, hornets in Bermuda. Hornets in Bermuda, exactly. I probably should have brought scissors. Um, I don't. Might be able to use a pen. I don't have my pocket knife either. There's a pen over there if you want to throw that my way. Opening packages on the radio. That's what all the good paranormal shows do. Oh, I broke the pen. (laughs) 
That's pretty good. I could probably rip it from there. If Godzilla jumps out of this thing and eats me, I'm going to be pretty upset. <laughs> There you go. It's <laughs> a lot of tapes, Bouquet. <laughs> All right, we're almost there. I hope there aren't any painted rocks in here. That's a that's another end joke. You won't get it, moments. Okay, I'll tell you later. All right. All right. Got it open. Whoa. Well, first of all, there's a little card for us. We'll we'll read that later. Okay. Because the people, the audience just wants to know about the snacks. Oh, thank you, too. She also put the English translation on them for us so that we would ah, know. Excellent. So we've got green tea. I don't know if you can see that on the. And they're famous for all the different kit casts that they have, and that's what she always posts up on, on LGAB for us. Peach mint Kit Kat contains slight alcohol. Ooh. Oh, Japan, you do things right. There's a lot of stuff in here. Thank you, Spookhead. Raspberry Kit Kat. Did you know that they had all these different Kit Kat flavors in Japan, Monies? No, I did not. Does that contain alcohol, too? I don't think so. <laughs> this is a... Uh... Coffee chocolate, she says, I'm not responsible for anything that happens with these. If a fight breaks out over these, that's on you guys. Okay. So that's, that's that. We have uh, Sakura and roasted soybean Kit Kats. Cherry blossom and soybean powder actually make a good combination. So we have those ones as well. We're only like halfway through with these, too. We've got uh, we've got Pikachu. Not food. Do not eat. You can eat the tiny piece of Guru though. Don't eat it off of oh gum gum. Don't eat it off the floor. So there's a little Pikachu oh. there. Put that over there. Oh why? Can you? It's showing her dress. Okay, sorry. Everybody ignore that. She's. I think she said she's moving anyway. <laughs> I'm dropping stuff all over the place. So we have mini chocolate pie. Wow. That looks awesome. Look at those. There's like chocolates even out of it. Mini chocolate pie. You know what I'm going to do? I want to just put the, the box on the floor and then nobody will see anything. All I can... What is that box? A TARDIS? Strawberry, <laughs> strawberry short, uh, strawberry, she strawberry cheesecake Kit Kat, <laughs> green tea Kit Kat. This says an absolute must from Japan. We have, oh Pocky, green tea Pocky. Somebody told me, somebody who lived in Japan told me, oh you have to try Pocky. Oh this is excellent. I wish Stephanie was here for this. Fried squid. Ah. I wish Stephanie was here for that. We'll save that till she comes in. And then this is Kumamon, the mascot for Kumamoto, Japan. Very troublesome. Consists of, and this consists of sweet red bean paste and sweet potato. So they're definitely uh, 
They're inventive with some of their flavors. Definitely. Thank you very much, Spooky Cat. Thank you. And uh, so basically, we just need to take a photo of us holding all of these because this is what Spooky South Coast is all about. It's all yes. about candy and snacks. So I feel like, um, I feel like uh, you know, I, I don't want to open any of this if Stephanie isn't here, but I also i am dying to try some of it too. So we'll have to debate that and fight, fight about that while we watch the... Well, we listen to the Gilbert Gottfried interview because I don't know. Some of these, I don't know if I can hold back. Open one. How about that? One of each. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I'm I, was, not, I was trying to do the parenting type thing. You pick one and you. I'm not the one that chose to stay home tonight, Stephanie, yeah. although I also am the one that chose not to tell her that we were going to be opening this package on the air tonight uh, oh, as well. Okay. So, uh, okay. Well, if, uh, if Matt's ready, uh, we'll go to the, to the Gilbert Gottfried, uh, interview. I'm just going to run the audio over here and, uh, he'll put up a, just an image because as I, as I said, I'm the dummy that, uh, couldn't get the video stuff set up in time, but let's see that I lose the video. I think I did. And we are here at Whites of Westport with the legendary Gilbert Godfrey. I'll take that down a bit. Uh, so let me just set this up a bit. Again, it's myself and Taylor Cormier uh, at Whites of Westport. This was part of the South Coast comedy series that's been going on at Whites of Westport. And if you want to take part in any of the remaining shows, they do have tickets available. Uh, coming up next Saturday night, it will be Nick DiPaolo. So if you're familiar with his comedy, you've probably seen him on Comedy Central, and he's been all over the place, Nick DiPaolo. Uh, he'll be next Saturday night. And then the Saturday after that, they're going to wrap things up with the uh, very famous comedian Pablo Francisco. So if you've ever seen, you've seen Pablo Francisco. He's the guy who makes all the noises, and uh, uh, he likes to, to talk like he's a, he does like the, the, the relationships where he does the girl, girl's voice too, you know, uh, yeah, like, I think, like I, know the I think one of them was the, uh, the Mexican drunk Mexican girl at a party was one of his things. Like, you know, you're talking yeah. to me like, you know me, like that's, that's him. I'm not going to attempt to do the voices, but, and he does like all the sound effects and all that stuff. So he'll be the week after that. So you can get those tickets at southcoastcomedy.com If you want to go and check out the shows, you can't ask for a better venue to see a comedy show. It's, it's intimate. You're kind of close to the stage no matter where you are. And then the comedians are all there hanging out afterwards. So you can buy them a drink at the bar. They're selling some autographed pictures. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried stayed until every person that wanted to buy something bought something. In fact, I bought two autographs. One of them's hanging on my wall in my office. The other one is uh, I'm keeping locked away because it's for his podcast. And I'm going to wait till I have the rest of the people from the podcast sign it. So I'm going to actually send it to the studio and have the rest of the crew sign it and then send it back. So uh, we'll go right into this interview now. So it's myself and Taylor Cormier interviewing Gilbert Gottfried as, uh, as we got the chance to pick his brain a little bit behind the scenes at Whites of Westport as part of the South Coast Comedy Series. Gottfried, I, I would have... Pre- and we are here at Whites of Westport with the legendary Gilbert Gottfried. I, I would have prepared a lengthy introduction, but I couldn't get Frank to... Oh, yes, yeah, on my podcast, it's always like these, the, after I do the introduction, uh, the audience is waiting for uh, found dead in his Los Angeles apartment. <laughs> so the, the first question that we have for you is what brings you to Westport, Massachusetts? And, and I'm hoping that uh, maybe old Groucho can answer that question. Oh, yes. Well, uh, what brought me? to Massachusetts was uh, back in my day 
they had a thing called a train. <laughs> and this was something that ran on tracks. And the tracks were on the ground. And the trains would be <laughs> on the track. So uh, that's what's so great about um, not only about your podcast, but just kind of your comedy in general. You keep a lot of these these characters alive. Hang on, we'll get that working again for you. Live. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like. Um, well, like it's it's so weird. I was watching a movie on TV just before I left to come here, and uh, and lo and behold, it was this actor uh, John MacGyver. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. I was just doing an impersonation yes. of him earlier. You yes. know better. <laughs> Everything must be run according to schedule. Yes, we will have no slackers here, son. <laughs> what, what is it about comedy stars uh, and, and even actors of, of the days before? They don't seem to last as long today. They don't have that no. staying power. And and they used to be uh, like those those shows that like would keep the stars alive those shows like the love boat and fantasy island mm. and and these character actors they did used to have long careers where like they were always welcome you know you saw them pop up in a movie and said oh there's you never knew their name that guy yeah yeah i we've had a few on we had on oh god oh dick miller mm. oh yeah yeah, yeah. He was fantastic. He was on the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. He he was on that. Uh, he came on and t he said he worked a lot for Roger Corman, mm -hmm. who was also a guest on the podcast. And he said, Roger Corman, it was like he's known for being really just saving every penny that he can, not spending a dime on anything. And and it was so low budget that uh, Dick Miller played both a cowboy <laughs> and an Indian, and he wound up really shooting himself because you see him as a cowboy fire a gun, and then the next shot him as an Indian fall down. So by the time he got to Gremlins, he probably thought he was working on a you know a big budget Hollywood oh, picture compared oh, to the Corman. Get it? Yeah. So in your career, uh, you've had the chance to cross paths with a lot of your heroes. Who's probably your favorite idol of yours that you got to work with? Oh, there's been a few. There's been a bunch where I go, oh, how did I get him on here? Like, uh, oh, well, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. Did it. Uh, oh, Bruce Stern. Uh, I always, you know, always a fan of Bruce Stern. <laughs> And uh, just a bunch of people. And you get to explore the subjects that you loved growing up as a kid. You get to talk to Marx Brothers. You get to talk Universal Monsters, uh, some of the old cult films of the, of the 50s and 60s. And that's, I think, the younger generation that's into podcasts, they might not find these things if not for, for your show. For yeah, your it, it, it's fun because when I first started doing the podcast, I thought, you know, this, I'm doing old stuff. They're not going to know who these people are, and they're not going to know what we're talking about. And and then I get these things like, um, you know, tweets and whatnot saying, 
I didn't know who that was, but I've been looking it up. And so it's like a fun homework assignment for them. Yeah, there's never an episode I don't want to listen to. It's Even if I don't know the person, I read the little biography. Oh, yeah. Post and, all right, they worked with a lot of people I like. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I usually end up following up with watching some of the stuff that they were in or listening to their music. It's terrific. Yeah. And, and the stories, the stories that you keep alive, whether they're true or not, are, uh, <laughs> I was on a cruise this past week. And the entire week, I was just walking around like Paul Lynn saying, I think, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but... Did your dressing green one smell all right? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but that's, again, like this, this younger generation, like Taylor's saying, you know, they go back, they rediscover these folks from the podcast. Uh, and they also help to rediscover films that they've never heard of. Uh, of course, you know... You talk all the time about your favorite film being The Swimmer, right? Oh, that's one of them. And But what's your favorite horror movie of all time? Oh, God. Uh, you know, it was funny. I I, I had... It was when I did, um, whatchamacallit, Turner Classic Movies with Bob Osborne. And you have to pick out... Uh, uh, favorite movies and and that was really tough because I go oh I like this one but then I like that one more mm-hmm. and then but I I wound up picking the swimmer the conversation uh freaks and uh oh geez which the conversation the swimmer conversation freaks and uh Oh God! This 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 is well, I'm mean, the swimmer. But even even freaks like that's a movie that could never get made today. No, very strange film. And um, oh, but as far as favorite horror films, it, it's I mean I always loved. I grew up when they showed old movies on TV all the time. They filled up, uh, and. Um, I, I mean, I love the old, you know, old Universal. And then there was even like, it could also be fun uh, with stuff like uh, the old monogram. Those were like the really cheap horror films. You would just watch those for the effects. They're great. So fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And it... it, it, it Things look better in CGI. Things look more realistic, but it loses a lot of the charm too. It, it oh, definitely. And I think because I always like when I was a kid, I I figured out how they did stop animation. You know, I thought so okay, they're moving it still by still, or but still I like it. And uh, sometimes uh, the computerization looks too it looks it's too just, fluid there's, yes there's no there's no uh, impulse because it's like with the old king kong you know it's not doesn't have that much definition to it and it's very sloppy animate but you feel like you could reach out and touch I feel the it's, king it's kong. a lot of people put work into it there were people behind yes that. there was a whole team of there was an imagination it wasn't just somebody strand by strand putting hair on the thing. and and I think I think Roger Ebert said that um uh oh he said that uh computerization looks realist oh uh, wait it 
looks uh, realistic but doesn't feel realistic. Yeah, something yeah, like something like he he said uh, the old stop action uh, uh, looks phony but feels realistic. Mm-hmm. And with the computerization, you know, you know, it's very. Uh, I I like I always loved when I would hear in certain movies how they achieved the special effects. Oh yeah. Like like in that well that that famous scene with uh, Fred Astaire oh, the, the dancing scene, around yeah, the room exactly. where they built a room that spun around. The camera spun with it. Yeah, uh, yeah and, the, and that to me is like the thought that goes nowadays. You know, they go, how do they achieve that? And you'll see a guy going, well, we press this button Clicks. and we added this later on. They were inventing things <laughs> yeah. back then to come up with, with what yeah. they to do. It's imagination. So you recently had John Aston on the podcast. Yes. Uh, the, the great white whale for your show, for your podcast. Oh, yeah. Him. Uh, is there anybody left that you still want to bring on that, that's been kind of evading you? It, it's so, well, it's so weird because so many of them... I are ones that have already died that I would have loved <laughs> well, to. Well, listen, on my show, we can talk to the dead. We communicate with ghosts. So if there's anybody who's passed oh, on yes. that you want to interview, just let me know. <laughs> we can talk to Groucho again. Yes. I try every time, I, the money. every time I pull out the Ouija board, I try and talk yes. to Groucho. It doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we just we're, we're huge fans. As I said, thank you so much for sitting down and taking the time with us. And thank you. And looking forward to the show here. And and so it's Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. My tw- my Twitter is real Gilbert. My website gilbertgottfried.com. And I'm also doing this thing on cameo.com where you could get me to do a personal shout out. And well, as, as Frank would say, what's the name of the doc, Gilbert? Uh, the name of the doc. Oh, <laughs> oh, Gilbert on Hulu. Yeah. All right. So uh, Taylor is a singer. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> he specializes in, in Frank Sinatra songs. I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah. Do you, do you want to take us out with any kind of a duet? Anything yes. that you know that, that you want to do? How about some uh, "Hello, I Must Be Going"? Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lead us off, yo. Yes. Hello. I must be going, I cannot stay, I came to say, must be going, I'm glad I came, much of the same, I must be going. Beautiful. <laughs> Should I come in as market? Should I come in as market Dumont with him? <laughs> for my sake, you must... No, we don't want to subject the audience to that. All right, thank you again so much thank for joining you. us, and uh, and we look forward to seeing the show. Thank you. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you. All right, that was Gilbert Gottfried with myself and news director Taylor Cormier. And uh, it was just a great experience getting the chance to meet him, getting the chance to interview him. Some comments in the uh, in the chat room, you know, um, Spook Cat said she's not used to hearing Gilbert's inside voice. And that's true. Like, when he's not on stage, when he's not performing, he's he's a much different personality. And even there, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, tell stories out of school here, but, you know, Gilbert was very quiet and shy and reserved. Really? Yeah, like in in the back, in the green room. uh, He was very much like... He's only 64, but he just... He seemed like an old man, you know? Like, they helped him up onto the stage, and he just was like... You know, he's very slight of stature, and I don't know. He just... He he just seemed different. But then once, uh, once... 
the show, the once the interview started, you know, it's like a light bulb went off. Same with the show. Like it was, you know, I think it's, I think what that is, is, I think he just reserves all that energy so that he can perform when he needs to perform. But if you've never listened to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast, and I tell people all the time, listen to that show. And they always say, well, I can't stand his voice. I can't listen to that show because I can't listen to his voice. Well, that's how he talks throughout the course of the podcast in his regular voice. Like, he'll get boisterous when he laughs or whatever, but he's not doing the Gilbert Gottfried voice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to listen to two hours of Iago from Aladdin talking. And so when you listen to the show, you hear the passion that he has for old Hollywood and some of these character actors. Like, uh, we, we were laughing because he was doing the impression of John MacGyver. And, you know, people remember John MacGyver from The Twilight Zone. I could try oh, yeah. to describe him to you if I, if I, if I wanted to, and you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But then I show you a picture. Oh, that guy. Yeah. And so that whole show is dedicated to all the, oh, that guy's of Hollywood. You know, the people who have worked with everybody. For example, this current week's guest is John Davidson. And I know John Davidson from That's Incredible and from Hollywood Squares. But I didn't realize that John Davidson had this whole career as a singer. I mean, I knew he put out albums, but I didn't know that he had toured as a singer and that he even tried his hand at being a comedian and that he'd been uh, an actor in a variety of different things. I didn't realize that he played a transvestite on the streets of San Francisco. Okay. So there's um, there's certainly you know a lot to be learned about some of these actors and some of these stories that they tell, and they're keeping, keeping things alive. And... Uh, I have to thank my friend John Tenney for introducing me to this podcast because I would not be listening to it if not for him. We were on the second Strange Escapes cruise and he told me, he's like, if there's anybody that would enjoy this podcast, it's you. And so I, as soon as I got back onto the mainland, I started downloading episodes of it and I fell in love with it right away. And I went and I told Taylor and I said, Taylor, if there's anybody else that would love this podcast, it's you. And so Taylor started listening to it and, uh, and he fell in love with it too. And now there's a there's a listener society on Facebook for the podcast that we're all part of, and you know you, they they share great old Hollywood stuff. It's it's a it's fantastic. So if you if Gilbert Gottfried's voice is what would keep you from listening to that, have no worries. Uh, but it is really funny when they bring people on who are singers because they always make Gil sing with them, and so it's really funny that one of my favorite episodes was uh, Tommy James from Tommy James and the Shondells telling the story about how he worked for Roulette Records which was owned by the mafia. And so he's got some really interesting stories about it. He was just a funny, funny guy. And then they decide to have him sing, I think we're alone now, with Gilbert. Oh, God. And Gilbert singing is such a hilarious thing that they started doing these mini episodes on Stitcher where it's just people sending in requests of songs they want to hear Gilbert Gottfried sing. And it's so good. It's because he can't keep the beat. <laughs> like, no matter what, he cannot do it. And... uh and he basically, he, he makes every song his own. So, again, I, I know it sounds like I'm gushing, and I don't really gush about a lot of other shows or podcasts, so you know that if I am, it's going to be well worth your time to check it out and listen. So, if you've never listened to a podcast, you don't know how to do it, I mean, some of you out there, I don't know how you're listening to us if you don't know how to listen to a podcast, but if you've never done it before and you don't know how, just download the Stitcher app. And on the Stitcher app, you can search for Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, and you'll get all the episodes as soon as they're released, the, the new episodes. Now, if you want the mini episodes, you got to pay for those. There's a, a subscription. Usually, it's $5 a month to subscribe to Stitcher, but right now, they're running a sale with the promo code SUMMER. And if you use that promo code, then you pay, like, it's like $24 to get a year of Stitcher. So, well worth it. 
Uh, there's lots of podcasts on there. And why am I promoting Stitcher so much? Why am I giving them a plug like this? Well, because they also carry Spooky South Coast. So if you need a way to get the Spooky South Coast podcast, you want to listen to some of the older episodes that you've never heard before, you can get them all right there on Stitcher. It's a great, easy way to listen to these podcasts. And what I love the most about it, probably my favorite thing about Stitcher, is it's the one of the few audio apps on my phone that when I'm done listening to it, I can just swipe it and it turns off. You know, there's there's only two audio apps that I have that do that. The Stitcher app and the WBSM app. Everything else, you have to, like, try and go and turn it off, and then you have to sign out and do all this, all this stuff. Listen, you just swipe it when you're done, and you're done. So hopefully people will check us out on there as well. Uh, what are we on? 575? This is episode 575? Yep. So that means there's 574 other episodes for you to check out of this show, and Stitcher's a great way to get a hold of a lot of those. Maybe, too, on some of those, you'll hear some of the, you know, some of our older stories about the paranormal, some of our older experiences with the paranormal, some of our older thoughts and theories on the paranormal. I was listening to an older, because, you know, from the Dark Matter Network, we run Tuesdays, which is working out really cool right now because I've been hosting on Tuesday nights. And then they run Spooky South Coast right afterwards. So it's like five hours of Tim in the middle of the night for people. That's wow. That's power right there. Uh, but um, I was going through some older episodes trying to find uh, a good one to send to, to Dark Matter for last week because we hadn't been on. And as I'm going through some of the older episodes, like I'm listening. I'm like, I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say that on the radio. What was I thinking? And uh, it's it's really amazing how much we've we've changed in our perspectives of things, not just in the general beliefs that we have, but in the you know just some of the 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 way that we went about our business. You know, there was once a t- we were once on that power unity train, <laughs> and I jumped off that train a long time ago when I realized what it was Before really about. It derailed. Uh, it's still it's still chugging along, but the problem is is. Uh, I think people are starting to realize like it's not it's not feasible. It's it's not something that can happen. So yeah, maybe maybe the idea behind some of these shows is to have more discourse and debate. You know, maybe it's not just about getting people that agree with you and and pushing one kind of an agenda. Which you know, if we can change our minds, maybe other people can too. So we'll we'll certainly keep this train rolling and keep those episodes coming. But uh, I guess what's what's the next big milestone? If we've got 575 episodes in the can, I guess we got to start planning what we're going to do for episode 666, right? Yeah. Because that's that's going to have to be something freaky. Get a hold of the Church of Satan or something. No, they're not really scary enough, though. Yeah. They're not. They're just a bunch of people that want to do what they want to do and not have any repercussions from it. But hmm. There's, there's, there'll be somebody. We'll come up with somebody for 666. But we've, we've got a long ways to go. That's a couple of years away. Do another Angels and Demons show. That's something that people have been asking us for anyway. They said that, that was a, a fascinating discussion, and I agree. The only problem is, is I don't know what Renee is up to anymore, and I don't know another angelologist. So if anybody out there knows somebody that has really studied the angels and knows the different, and I don't want, I'm not talking about somebody who looks at it from a new wave perspective. You know, I'm not looking for someone who's like, I call in all the angels of light to come and protect us. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about somebody who knows biblical the, scholar, the, uh, an yeah. actual theologist that knows, or you know, somebody that at least is. It doesn't have to be you know completely educated and trained in it, but at least have a, a passing knowledge of it, where we can talk about the individual angels. And that's what Renee was great for that. Whereas might, few other people could be. I might be able to help. He's he's written books on the Nephilim, and he is uh, he actually studied in a seminary school. Uh, let me reach out. Okay. So, but that's the thing. That's the reason why we've had to hang up on that is, um, there's just, I can't find any good angelologists anymore. Even when I look them up and I look up angelologists, what I'm finding is people who are, you know, workers in the light. Yeah. And so that's, that's fine. And that's great, but that's just not what we're looking for for that show. We want to talk about the specifics and, uh, uh, I've never really gone back and listened to that show again either. Maybe I'll put that on my, uh, on my phone through the Stitcher app. And listen to that later on this week. I don't like to listen to those old shows though because I thought I think I was terrible back then. Remember how I always sounded like I was running out of breath at yes. the beginning of every show? Well, you're also standing, right? But still, I'd be like, "Welcome to Spooky South Coast." I'm like, I wasn't really nervous, but I guess maybe I was. Now I don't care, <laughs> and I'm like, Pfft. apathetic. If the show goes to hell, I'm just going to sit here and eat Kit Kats for the rest of the night. So mm. it's all good to me. Um, <laughs> the phone lines have uh, been ringing throughout the night, and I, I think I know who it is. So we're going to take the call, but uh, we're just we're going to try to make sure that we keep it. See, here's the thing: like I should have taken it when we were just on YouTube, but now that we're on the radio, I'm a little worried to take the call. But we'll there's another call coming. Roll in. with it. I almost wonder if I should just take the other call first. All right, let's just let's just do it. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hello. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Long-time playboy. My name's Optimus. How are you? Uh, doing, you doing pretty well, Lamone. How are Don, you? How do you know it's me? Curses. Because okay. you've been on hold since the beginning of the show. I know. I've been holding up. One that I go blind, I'm doing all that holding. But okay. Um, I, I, John Davidson took over the Mike Douglas, Mike Douglas show. You know, yes. Mike and he talked about that on the podcast. He talked about how uh, Mike uh, Mike Douglas never really forgave him for it, even though it wasn't John Davidson's doing. Do you know how you know how he lost the, how he lost his job? How he got fired? Uh, I believe over the was it over the phone? No, no, he got fired because he had um, Jane Kennedy. You know Jane Kennedy. You know, you know, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful Jane Kennedy, the yeah. black actress from the eighties. Well, he had her on the show. And he says, he says, "What are you? You're so beautiful. What are you? you can't just be black." Yes, I'm just black. Because you got to exist something else. If you know I'm black, I can't believe it. You're too beautiful to be black. And I was like, how rude. I was throwing a rock at him, this big old head. Yeah, that like, is. So, yeah, that is. Because, you know, back then, you know, that was, you know, he, he lost his job. Because that was, he had, like, maybe another two months in the state council or so. Well, that. I mean, John Davidson portrayed it as being, you know, more of a cost-cutting measure. But maybe maybe that's the, the real story. And John Davidson so was just that- being diplomatic. That's the real story. If I would have been there, I'd have put him on blast. Hey, John Davidson, JD. Like I said, so you talk about Angel. What if I could get Mike Trout to come on the phone? Come talk to <laughs> Different kind of Angel. Different kind of Angel. Okay, Wally Joyner. <laughs> He's talking about the California Angels. Can we? Yeah. Do we all have to stand there and do the uh, Angels in the Outfield thing there? Oh, that would be fine. That would be fine with me, for sure. You remember that movie, Angels in the Outfield, and they did it with, uh, uh, what's his face, um, Gary Coleman? No, that was a different movie with Gary Coleman. 
something about like Casey Blended. It was Angels in the Outfield, wasn't it? No, he there was he. What was he in the Littlest Angel or something like that? Or there was some Angel movie that he was in. But yeah, the, um, the Angel wore tennis shoes. Was that it? Was I don't that, know. No, that was the computer like, wore tennis shoes. Computer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The Heavenly Kid. The, the Heavenly Kid. That was it. The Heavenly Kid. Gary Coleman. That was that was a remake of it. That's what it's supposed to be. Angels and Alpha. There's those angels out there. You know, so that's how that kind of worked out. Too. Oh, that's completely yeah. different. The angel. Oh, well, whatever. Yes, yeah, so that was cool. So, um, last week was EDC here in Vegas, okay? So I went up to Utah Friday, okay? And when I was up in Utah, I went to this, um, I went like out, you know, near uh, Vernell is, no, Vernell is, up there near, um, like maybe 15 minutes away from the Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. So we were we were out there uh, looking at the picture of a sign. It's a big foot crossing, stay on the trail. And I didn't notice until after I got back Sunday, uh, you can look and see above the sign, you can see something staring at us. And it's like, it looks like this. It looks like this is staring right at us. It's like you see him in the woods, and it's like a branch is like kind of in front of his face. And it's like, I guess he's probably surprised. Oh, black person. You probably just see him in his in Utah. Let's just see him on TV, look, want or something. We're playing for BYU. So like I said, I was kind of excited, but I thought I was kind of like noisy. So it's like, I like Bigfoot. I, I'd even, I even, I think I even did it uh, one of the seasons. <laughs> like I said, and you know, I told you before, there was um, two brothers, Brian, Bill, and Tay. They're related. They're actually, Brian played for, uh, I think Seattle, and Bill played from uh, San Diego, the Chargers. They're, they're football players, offensive linemen, big hairy guys. Supposedly, they're supposed to be related to Bigfoot. Their grandmother, quite hairy. And I'm not saying like you know like needs to needs from that uh, there that out on him whatever it is get him off the leg all over very hurry and well, so she's a big girl like I said uh, <laughs> I mean I like big girls it's a way for civil you know listen, I'm more of a I, lo- I love you, Lamone. I'm going to have to let you go because you're, first oh. of all, your phone's crackling more than our Kit Kat rappers is. And, oh, really? So that's what helps me thinking about the next question. We were said about the connection to be called the All American Reject. You know, so that's like, ah! Right. Are you going to be on next week? We will be. We will be. We'll be back next week. You can give us a call then. Okay, so um, what did you say? Speaking weird yet? No, that's coming up. Coming up very soon. I can't see this, so you're not on the YouTube. I feel like, I feel like oh, you know, enraged. I feel like, I feel like OJ's nephew. So, you know, like, like Sasquatch and Eve. Okay, OJ's nephew. This, is, like this yeah. is devolving even more. All right, thank you, Lamone. Have a good night. Play on, Playboy. I hope all you listeners have a wonderful new uh, Memorial Day. And hope you guys be able to find somebody you love and give them, let them remember. Give them memories. Let people have good memories. Of whoever you love, whoever you like. All right, there you I'm, go. I'm going to go visit the Colonel, Colonel <laughs> Sanders. All right, so like I said, for symbol. Yeah, Thank you. or Julie B. Okay. Oh, you as well. Too. Okay, I got yeah. I got to hit the button now. Okay, uh, we do have another call on the line. We'll take that call. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Whoa. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hey Tim, it's uh, my name's Craig. Um, we I, we've met before at uh, Walden Books. Not Walden. Uh, your last book signing. Oh, uh, we Barnes and Noble. About, yep. um, Barnes and Noble. We were talking about Gooseberry Island mm-hmm. and stuff one time. But uh, recently, we were just up uh, in Florida three weeks ago down in St. Augustine, and uh, I got a story with that with my daughter. And um, we're, we're getting a little bit of a, a buzz from your phone. Are you standing near? Uh, are you near a, some kind of electrical device or something? Or no, no cordless phone. Nope. 
Hmm. Okay. I'm Weird. sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, and uh, we we eaten at um. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I know you've been down there, Mo, uh, Mojo's. You ever been down? No. The restaurant. No, I haven't been there. All right. Across the street is the uh, Tomato Cemetery. It's part of that ghost tours at night. And um, while we were eating there, my mother-in-law wanted to go have a cigarette. And my daughter's like, oh, I want to go out with, out there with you. So they went out and they were at the gate. It's all locked up during the day. And uh, they were talking to, she was out there. So say that my daughter was just looking around. And all of a sudden, she's like waving. My mother-in-law's like, what are you waving at? She's like, oh, it's a bunch of little girls. She's like, there's nobody in the cemetery. So she came back into the into where we were eating, and she was all freaked out, my mother-in-law. So my daughter's like, I want to go back outside. I want to go back outside. Like My wife's like, all right, the food's not here yet. I'll go back out with her. So they go back to the gate, and they're sitting there. And all of a sudden, she goes, there's a boy in the tree. And I was like, there's nobody in the tree, baby. She goes, yeah, there's a boy in the tree, and he likes apples. We're like, all right. I'm like, so she comes in, she tells us what happened. I'm like... Hey, kids are perceptive to this with being young. She's only four years right. old. Yeah. I was like, maybe she's probably, maybe she sees something, whatever. I was like, as long as it doesn't come home, I don't care. I'm like, you know, as long as I've seen stuff at home, that's fine. So we, um, long story short, we get back to our uncle's house in Palm, in Palm Coast. A cousin of hers is there, and we were talking about how we were over there. And he says, oh, on the night tours, they say that there's, um, he, we didn't even tell him the story. And he's like, yeah, they say, uh, they see a boy in the tree at that cemetery across the street. And I was oh, like, wow. what? What did you just say? And he's like, forget to see. And we're like, funny you say that. Page today saw a boy in the tree. And he goes, yeah, they also see girls at the gates. And he's like, she was waving to somebody at the gates. I was like, that's the craziest thing. I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. Well, and now the question comes, though, do you encourage her to keep keep that up? Or are you, you going to try to put that block we, in that some parents put in? So we, no, no. When um, So after we heard more of it so we were like we were trying i was trying to see if i got any other information out of her i was like i was like so i talked to her on my page and i was like what, what else did you see while you're there she's just a little boy and i was like what was he dressed up as and you know she she didn't explain it. she was just like you know how kids are so i can't under like not understand but like it's tough to get their their perceptive of it mm-hmm. but she's like he likes apples and like did you get a name of anybody and she keeps saying marga I don't know. I can't find any records of anything so far of mm. anything. We weren't able to walk around, like, look at gravestones to see if there was any children. Right. And maybe a name, because whatever. But she's like, the girls were pretty. That's it. That's all we got. Well, <laughs> just, still, I mean, Back it's... then, they dressed up in dresses all the time, too, back then. Mm-hmm. They had a little, little like that. So yeah, it's we, worth... did. we were trying to encourage her and just like, it's okay what you saw. If you saw something, you saw something. Well, like, it, there's nothing bad, you know, so. Well, if you go but, back, yeah, keep pretty, us up to date with, uh, if you go back and if you pick up on anything, if she picks up on anything else. Yeah, I mean, we've been there before, but she was too little. She right. was only nine months the last time we were there. So we'll be back because our uncle only lives like half hour, 45 minutes away from there. So we go every time when we go down. So this time we want to go down. We want to do one of the ghosts to us at night to mm-hmm. see. When I came back home, I started researching. That was one of the things they said. It was a boy in the tree and stuff. And I was like, wow, that's, that was just freaky. You know, but had, um, have you done anything with Gooseberry Island? I know you were talking about no. trying to do some more research. Yeah, we were hoping to kind of get out there with uh, some locals that we know that were going to take us out there. But uh, haven't been able to follow up on that yet. But now that the, the better yeah. weather's here, hopefully we can make that happen. 
Yeah, especially down there. The bugs right now, when once it starts getting warm, the bugs are tough walking to that trail. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the that's the problem is, you know, then by the time you get out of bug season, then it starts to get too cold or too too wet to to be able to go out there too. So yeah, you got you got to yeah, just pick pick your fight when you're going to go and do it. So, but. Yep. I think uh, I think we'll we'll look into that, and I'll, I'll let you know if uh, if we'll we'll update everybody if we do get out there. Yeah, definitely, because I haven't just started with that, but that's another. I can always talk to you guys another time with that one. Sure. Um, but I'll keep you updated if we ever go back anytime soon, and you get any updates with her. So. Sounds good. Well, thank you All so right, much man. for Have the call. Going. Take it easy. You're welcome. Bye. Yeah, there's um, that's one of the things that we've been discussing uh, internally here in this in the station is some people have told me oh you have to go out to, to like gooseberry island and out out to some of the structures out there and so but you know us you know we have to do everything above board and with permission and all that kind of yeah. stuff so we'll make it happen i think and we'll go check it out we'll let you know about it the the you know he was mentioning craig was mentioning the, the you know it's it's kind of sad when it's kid ghosts and when there's kids involved and when you go through the cemetery you know it it, it hurts you to see the the graves of children and when we were in Bermuda, we went through the Royal Naval Cemetery, and there's a whole part of the cemetery where it's people who died from yellow fever, during the yellow fever outbreak they had, and there's a lot of children that died. And in Bermuda, I don't know if it's a Bermudan custom or if it was just for this particular naval cemetery, but they put the exact cause of death on the gravestone. So as you're walking through, it's like one guy got blown off the bridge during a storm. Uh, another would be, you know, fell overboard or and drowned. Like they, they have very graphic descriptions about how they died, and uh, a lot of the children ones, you know, they're especially sad because, you know, it'll say like Sweet William gone to the angels and things like that, and it's 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 heart heart wrenching uh, as you walk through there, and especially when you know, you know, that so many of them, um, maybe they wouldn't have died if they hadn't been in Bermuda. You know, these are people who lived in England and, and came over for whatever reason. And you say, wow, if that had only happened to you when you were back in, in the UK, you might not have had the same tragic end as a result of it. So it's, yeah, it's a little tough. If anybody else wants to call in, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in and share. Uh, I also, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about my aunt and uncle's house in Halifax that they lived in that was haunted. That kind of got me into yeah. a lot of this stuff. But I've also mentioned my grandmother's house. My grandmother's house in Randolph that was haunted and burned down and they've since rebuilt a new house uh, on the spot. What's funny is, um, Matt, did you ever get to go to my grandmother's house? Like for the, like the 3rd of July parade or anything? Or Okay, so you, it's, you don't even have any memories of it, but... So, the um, I'm at the library in Randolph the other night giving a, a lecture, and I started talking about that, and, and a woman in the crowd said, you know, I work at the library, and I've actually had people that have told me that they live on a house on North Main Street that is haunted, and she's like, the way they describe it, it's right around the same area as the house that you're talking about, so it's got me wondering if maybe the house that they rebuilt over where my grandparents' house burned down if they if they still don't have some activity going on there hmm. so um i'm just going to mention that so that if maybe the, the people who listen to uh, the people who live there listen to the show or maybe somebody who knows them listens to the show get the word out to them the woman who works at the library said she i gave her my information to pass on and i said just have them reach out to me if that's the case because i don't i don't i don't know if i could go in there 
if they asked me to go in and do an investigation, I don't know if I could go in there because it's not the same house. Okay. And I don't know how I'd emotionally, I don't know how I'd be able to handle that. You know, if I walked in and I was like, well, this looks like a completely different house, so it's fine. Or would I walk in there and be like, this isn't right and this doesn't feel right, you know? So I don't, it'll be interesting to see. I'd like to have that. It's a, it's a good problem to have. I'd like to have yeah. to make that choice. So hopefully uh, we can reach out to them. Imagine that. Imagine if we basically were just able to investigate all the places that as we were kids freaked us out. I know, you know, we've, we've yeah. talked about a place that you lived in when you were younger that's still standing, right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's that possibility that someday we get in there too. Uh, that, but that's when it gets personal. And when it gets personal, it's harder to, hard to divest yourself emotionally from it. Well, um, one of the harder ones I think would be investigating where you knew the person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going to a haunted location or, you know, most of the time you don't know who it could have been. Right. You know, <clears throat> we have a uh, mutual friend. His place is uh, active, Uncle Roger. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's asked us, you know, asked me, can we do something at some point? It's like, I, I would like to, but the hard part is I know all of them. I know. Right. And that's, <laughs> and that's, and there's no doubt that that's who it is. Yeah. I mean, in the, the experiences that he's had, and yeah. he he knows, he says straight out, I know who it is. And so that makes it a lot, a lot harder, especially. You know, it's one thing like, okay, I go back to my aunt and uncle's house. That's fine. Everybody made it out of that. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. fine. Everybody's fine. It was just they happened to live there and deal with these hauntings. But as you're saying, when when there's a loss connected to it, uh, especially if it's a tragic loss, like you've got to worry if it's not your own emotional baggage that is affecting you on that investigation. So, again, as I said, it would be an interesting problem to have, but... Uh, it would take some some thinking and some pondering. We have another call on the line. If you would like to call in 508-996-0500, then after this call, we'll go to the Week and Weird with Matt Leistein, who has a very, very uh, interesting presentation for us this week. I, I literally fell off my chair laughing. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello. It's me again, fella. It, l- All right. Lamone, we have a one-call-per-show rule here at oh, the station. That's the first time I've ever heard that. I've oh. never called four and five times. Well, okay, no, well, yeah, I'm, you call four and five times, but I only answer once. But, all right, let, let me, I just want to tell you guys about Aladdin. You know, it's crazy it's a Thursday night. And it's like, it really touched me. Just like, think about it. You know, when Robin Williams committed suicide that Friday, he would go that Monday and go into talks about the five-action movie. We're, we're losing you a little bit, Lamone. Can we're, yeah. lo- we're losing you a little bit. Is this better? Is that better? Sounds a little better, yep. Oh, all right. So, he, like I said, he was supposed to go in that Monday to go and talk about reprising his role as the genie in the live-action film that, that that just came out this Thursday, this Friday. And it's like, the movie, it's like, it's like they took him five years to make it. He actually killed himself. And it was like, sad. I think part's like, well, that's what Robin Williams and it's like, that would have been good, but then Will Smith did a good job. It was pretty good. I was surprised on how entertaining it was. And it's like, you know, it's not, I'm waiting to see the Little Mermaid, you know, live remake like that. And it's like, but I think that if anybody likes old, 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 old ones, would probably enjoy this. 
you got children, you don't have to be a child. I'm a little older than a child. But then like I said, you, I enjoy it. Well, there's nothing wrong with going to see that. Mm-hmm. Get yourselves ready for next week. Godzilla, the King of Monsters. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. No. So we're, we're doing that same night. We're also doing a sneak preview of Rocket Man, the new uh, Elton John movie. Yep. So, so I don't know. What to, I'm going to see Godzilla. No need to pretend I'm going to Rob Wood. I mean, Rob and, uh, I mean, Rocket Elton John. Yeah. I'm going to go. I, like I so said, I'm just getting ready next year. It's going to be Godzilla versus King Kong. And so I'm thinking, I'm hoping, like, maybe if I feel like Godzilla on Mont this one, you know how that Rodan and Mothra, but it's like, you know, maybe his, his son, Mina, you know, Katsuki, the little baby. Papa, that is such a cute baby. <laughs> Godzilla's right. baby is adorable. Well, you let Papa. us, I got another call coming in. You let us know okay. how that is, okay? Okay, can I hear, I, I, can I, I, I can't hear the show. Is it like on, I can't get you on TuneIn Radio. Uh, download, yeah. download the WBSM app. And you should be able to hear us on there right there. WBSM. Download that app and you'll hear us. About 20 minutes. About 20 minutes, yeah. But that's always a great way to listen to us if uh, if we're on the radio. It doesn't work if we're YouTube only, but all right. Okay, uh, all right. You kids take care. uh, Like I said, what do you plan for Memorial Day? Uh, I think I'm just getting together with my family and uh, and having a little food and and keeping it low-key. That's good. That's a good way to do it. Save all your mischiefness when you come to Vegas. Absolutely. we're doing the star cast, you know, with the wrestling and uh, Cali- uh, yeah, yeah, it's going on, going on this weekend, yeah, yeah, exactly. I would love, would like to have gone and bring some friends on me, but no, they well, nobody want to ride with the colored guy in a mask. Our friend, our friend Tim Dennis from from uh, you know uh, my fellow fill-in host on Midnight in the Desert, Tim Dennis, he's out there this weekend. So if you run into him, say hi. I tell you right now, if I'm running into him, I'm like, Oop, excuse me, I wasn't driving. Tell that friend, y'all. Like I said, <laughs> right. I, I, I was like, there's only one Tim that I like to see. That's the boy on the phone for Chisel. Uh, like the three brothers, like the, I just want to say hello to everyone. And Chow Bella and Matt is so quiet over there. Listen to the background. It's uh, like he's not even there. It's like, you know, he's like um, the Jackie Martin of, of about of the show. <laughs> <Right>. Thanks, Lamone. <laughs> Have a good night. Right. We're, we got to move on. All right, uh, you're next on Spooky South Coast. Yes, hi. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Hey, I was I listened to you from New Hampshire, right? Well, thank you. And I was wondering... I listen to you, every, you know, all the time when you're on. But have you ever done anything? I've never heard anything about black-eyed children. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had David Weatherly on uh, to talk about it, but it's probably worth revisiting and having an update. Uh, that was uh, an episode where we got really freaky for us because we had some local people that called in uh, that were saying that they saw black-eyed children around New Bedford and around this area uh, during oh, that show. I did hear that show. Okay, I'm sorry. I had forgotten. It's, it's been you a few years, though. I it's... just bought Weather, Weatherly's book. I just bought the book that he, I hadn't started reading it yet. Well, it's it's a, it's a great book, and it's certainly worth revisiting as a topic. We should either bring him back or some of the other researchers who have kind of picked up some of the work that he's done and, and taken it to different directions. Yeah, how about shadow people? Do you guys ever do any shows on mm-hmm. the shadow people? Yeah, we've done some on those uh, and shared our own experiences with them, too. But, yeah, no, it's it's another show that would make a great, you know, complete show topic uh, some sometime going forward. Yeah, because sometimes my Wi-Fi goes wacky and I don't get to show. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you can always listen to us later on. Uh, if you, I'm sure you're a, a YouTube user. You use YouTube at all? Well, 
I'm really not that, you know what I mean? I'm not that smart with this stuff, but I guess I could find out. Well, yeah, shoot me an email, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and I'll help you find some some ways to catch it if you miss it. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I'll have to find out how to do that too. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll help you out. Whatever, it, whatever it takes, we'll we'll help you out. It's terrible, isn't it, when you're not, <laughs> you don't know how to work these things. No, nope, that's what I do all day here. Uh, I run, I run the websites and the so, and the uh, and the social media and all that stuff for the station. So I'm always helping people out with, you know, being able to connect with it wherever they are. Yeah, because I'm not on the radio now, am I? You are. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh no, we yeah, we don't screen calls here. It's a, it's Art Bell oh. style, unscreened open lines. Oh, okay, no, no, no. I wasn't going to say anything bad, anyways. No, I, no, of course not. I, I was just curious, you know. Well, no, say hi to the South Coast. You're you're on on the radio. Oh, okay. Well, I'm from there originally. And and you did you retire to New Hampshire or? Yes, I retired to New Hampshire right in '94. Right. That's uh, something that I want to do at some point. I want yeah. to. Uh, I want to retire and move up there. That's why I'm growing out my beard so that I can be a Santa Claus uh, yeah, on, a, on a Christmas quietly. train. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. Yeah. Thank you, Tim, very much. I gotta pay more, more attention. You know. Well, we'll we'll give the station a call during the week if you run into trouble, and uh, oh. and 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 we'll 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 make sure that you can get the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very very much. Likewise. Take care. You have a nice holiday. You, you too. too. Bye-bye. 508-996-0500 is the number. Uh, why don't we take a break for a moment here to get a little weird. And as I mentioned, Matt Bleistein has uh, outdone himself once again with the weak and weird. Uh, you know, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't feel, I shouldn't like not expect him to. When I watched this, I was kind of like, oh, I think that there's uh I think that there's some copyright images in this and some things that there might be a problem if we use it, and, and it turns out that that wasn't the case at all. But He's a professional. He, knows he really, yeah, he is, but he really, like, he fooled me with it. Like, it's so good. And that's what I like about these each week is that, you know, you see some of these stories that go around. There's all some of these weird stories that are out there that people are talking about, but he goes kind of beyond that, and he takes it a different direction. And he finds a different angle to the story than what other people are talking about. And then to be able to kind of bring it in with the video production, too, at the same time, it makes it into a, a very entertaining package. So if anybody out there, uh, you know, if you if you want to just catch The Week and Weird on its own, if you want to share it with people, uh, Matt Costa always puts it up on our YouTube channel as its own separate video. So you can just go right to YouTube. You can take that video. And you can share it just like you would any other YouTube video. You can put it on your Twitter. You can put it on your Facebook. Wherever you share uh, YouTube videos, you can share that and kind of spread the word of the week and weird a little bit. Because, listen, not everybody wants to listen to this podcast, to this radio show, to this spooky South Coast experience. It's not for everybody. Some people say, I don't know if I want to listen to a two-hour show that talks about the paranormal. Or sometimes talks about the paranormal and talks about snacks a whole bunch. Like, some, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Green tea, green tea Kit Kats, which I'm going to be eating during the week and weird. But, uh, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So they might say, you know, I, I, I kind of like the weird talk a little bit, but I don't want to listen to a whole two hour show. Well, then the week and weird is perfect because it gives them that little taste of strange for the little taste of weird for the week. Yeah. And okay. uh, we're going to 
We're going to go to the Week in Weird right now. Save me, Matt Blystein. <laughs> In a world where the paranormal is just a breath away, we're spanning the globe to bring you the best in paranormal news. This is the Week in Weird. Hello, and welcome back to the Week in Weird. If you're looking to make a little extra money but don't want to drive for Uber, our first story might be the answer you're looking for. Officials in a small French coastal village whose name I can't pronounce are seeking the public's help in deciphering mysterious writing found on a stone, and they're offering $2,200 to anyone who can help solve the mystery. Visible only at low tide, the stone is covered on one side with crude letters, symbols, and a drawing of a boat. Two possible dates, 1786 and 1787, are also visible. Some believe that the stone might be related to nearby artillery batteries which were built around the same time. Experts think that the other writing on the stone may be in Basque or perhaps Brayton, a language spoken by early inhabitants of the British Isles. Whatever information the original authors were trying to convey remains a mystery. The village hopes that by offering a reward, someone will finally solve the puzzle. A jury will choose among the entries to select the most plausible suggestion and award the prize money to the lucky entrant. Now, I'm no linguist, but to me, it looks like the writing could be early Rolling Stones lyrics. Following on the heels of Lorraine Warren's passing a few weeks ago, the paranormal community recently lost yet another legendary figure. Nuclear physicist and prominent UFO researcher Stanton Friedman died last week in Toronto at the age of 84. Perhaps best known for being the first civilian investigator to document the site of the infamous Roswell incident of 1947, he helped to popularize the theory that it was a genuine crash site of extraterrestrial spacecraft and that the U.S. military recovered two flying disks and a number of alien bodies. Though he never spotted alien life himself in more than six decades of research on the subject, other ufologists around the world held him in extreme high regard. Over the course of his illustrious career, he wrote numerous books, articles, and UFO-related papers, and gave more than 700 lectures at institutions around the world entitled Flying Saucers Are Real. He is survived by his wife, Marilyn, and his two daughters, Melissa and Rachel. In other sad news, the world's most popular cat whose face launched a thousand memes passed away this week at the age of seven from complications of a urinary tract infection. Grumpy Cat, whose real name was Tartar Sauce, became an internet megastar in 2012 after her photo was posted on Reddit. She became such a cultural phenomenon that her likeness appeared on nearly 900 items from socks to tattoos. Her 2014 book, Grumpy Cat, a Grumpy Book, made the New York Times bestseller list and sold over 500,000 copies. At the time of her death, she was reported to be worth up to $100 million and had over 12 million followers on social media. Thankfully, for those of us who just can't get enough Grumpy Cat, Steve Huff, the preferred communications czar for recently deceased celebrities, has once again stepped in to help us out. Huff posted a video on his YouTube channel that appears to show that he made contact with Grumpy Cat from the other side. Here's a short clip.
She went on to say, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Godspeed, Grumpy Cat. Godspeed. And that's it for this week's installment of The Week in Weird. I'm your host, Matt Bleistein, and I'll see you next week. edition of the week and weird and uh so that's that was kind of my issue with it was uh i thought that he literally lifted steve huff clips with that video because he it did lo- a good job he nailed it mm-hmm. and then once i realized exactly what the uh quote-unquote wonder box was that he was using once i saw that i i actually fell out of my chair i laughed so hard <laughs> so again that's uh, the week and weird with matt Leistein. you can check it out each week on the Spooky South Coast YouTube channel. So uh, even if you missed out on it in the show and you just want to catch the week and weird before we uh, before you sit down to watch the entire Spooky South Coast, it's always up there separately for you uh, to be able to share around. Well, we still have some time left in the show, and uh, and Moniz, uh, we didn't really talk about it that much because um, you know I feel like it's something that we'll address in a full episode. At some point, when we have a little bit more time to de- to devote to it, and it's kind of a, a, a hard subject for a lot of people to talk about right now. But uh, as Matt Blystein mentioned in the Week in Weird, we did lose uh, this past week. We did lose prominent UFO researcher and just kind of all around beacon of knowledge, Stanton Friedman, recently. Yeah. And and I people have been asking me for a long time, like when are you going to have Stan Friedman back on? And I kind of didn't want to say it to people, but he'd been sick for a while. Yeah. This was this was um, this was not something that kind of came up suddenly. He'd been he'd been battling some kind of an illness. I, I don't want to I don't want to give more information away than that. But you know he had he had been sick. Yeah, for the last five years, really bad for the last two. And so that's why you know we had him on with Kathy Martin probably about five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and even then, you know, he didn't seem like himself. So that's why for the last couple of years we've. I mean, obviously, he still did some interviews, and he still tried to kind of um, battle his way through it. But you know, we knowing what was going on, we just thought it was kind of better if we if we didn't try to force him to do a a long form radio interview. Uh, he he loved doing events. He loved going to these you know lectures and talking to the people. Uh, I I've known Stan for going on twenty five, almost thirty years, and. He was always very approachable by anybody. And he, anybody could just walk up and just talk to him. And he would answer them. He would give them the time. Uh, and, he, and he was able to talk to people at their own level. Correct. So even though, you know, you walk up to this guy and you say, what are you, a nuclear physicist or something? Uh, well, because he was. Uh, yeah. and, and he could talk to you at that level, but he could also find a way to, you know, for lack of a better term, dumb it down for the people that weren't at that, that level. Yeah. He was... Very articulate. And people would say, you know, well, gee, Stan Friedman's been kind of giving the same lecture for 40 years, but mm. that's because, well, but he was, I mean, he, yeah. he did. He would always go out and like, that was kind of his bread and butter is he would, he would do the, the flying saucers or real approach. Yeah. And, but that's because the message still rang true with people. And he was able to, he was probably able to talk UFOs with people that would never have listened to somebody talk about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Based on his background, but also based on his personality, yeah, his demeanor, his yeah. approach to, to people that, you know, you could put him in front of 
uh, a UFO convention, but you could also put them on Larry King Live. Yep. And you could also put them in front of a, a National Science Foundation panel. So he was a guy that kind of was one of the best spokespeople for ufology. He was one of the best representations of it that we could have asked for. And uh, and I think we wouldn't be nearly as far along in it as we are today if it wasn't for Stanton Friedman occupying that position. So, Because let's face it, the rest of you guys are all a bunch of nut jobs. <laughs> so he made you all look good. No, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of great UFO researchers today. And I, I think what the difference is now is what we're seeing is coming out of the Stanton Friedman era, you're talking about a guy that would talk. Obviously, you know, he focused a lot on the Roswell crash. Right. And, uh, and then when he worked on, on the book Captured with Kathy Martin, he, they focused a lot on Betty and Barney Hill. But he was a guy that could talk in broad strokes about UFOs and, and, and kind of talk about it as an overarching thing. But now we're, we're getting to the point where, and this is, it's not a knock, but we're getting to the point where we have specializations within ufology. Yeah. Where people are talking about just certain aspects of it. So you can have like a Mike Clellan focusing on the on the owl connection. Yep. Or you can have somebody else that's talking just about like yourself. You know, you talk frequently about people who were uh, abducted and then kind of met again in, in yeah, on or, Earth. Or abducted together. In, right. And yeah. like all these different like yeah. more niche aspects right. of abduction. And you can get away with that because a guy like Stan Friedman kind of laid the groundwork from right. that from that. Forest for the trees. We are standing upon shoulders of giants, and this is where we will go forward with it. We will have more people that are able to not only specialize in it, but talk about specific incidents, specific cases. And the more that we can do that, the more than it becomes. I don't want to say believable, but for the average person, it becomes more of a. It has more impact. It becomes more believable. Right. I got you. And so uh, I, I think that. Um, We'll see. I think we'll see a lot of people kind of pick up some of the the, the mantle from Stan, from Stan and, and try and do the same thing. But I think you'll also see people realize that um, you know they need to take it also the next step, and and uh, that's he would definitely be proud of that. So for all of us out there that are interested in things that are up there in the sky, you know when you look up there and you're looking for something flying around, also just acknowledge Stanton Friedman while you're looking up there as well. The other question that I keep getting asked over the last couple of weeks is, what else do we have going on in the coming weeks, in the coming months? Well, we haven't really booked anything yet. We're working on a few things, a few ideas that we have, trying to find ways to do some different stuff, but also kind of go to some favorite places and, uh, and, and look at them from a different perspective. So we'll have some announcements in the coming weeks about that. But I want to say that uh, coming up really quickly here in July will be the Ocean State Paracon. So that's coming up. Uh, let me give you the exact dates. I think it's the 13th and the 14th. I don't want to speak out of school, but uh, I think that's – I said that phrase twice tonight to speak out of school. Like I'm the only person left in the world that uses that phrase, <laughs> and I've used it twice in the same night. But uh, I want to make sure that we get the exact dates. So the 2019 Ocean State Paracon, which is not loading up on my screen – it is happening July 13th and 14th at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. So anywhere that you've any, – anybody that's been to the Ocean State Paracon before, it's at the same place. And uh, we'll be there the 13th and the 14th. Great lineup of, of people. Uh, and what's great about this is 
It's a big, big fundraiser. It's all for charity. All the money goes to charity. So you're doing good when you're coming and hanging out with all of us weirdos talking about paranormal things. You're doing some good for the people of Rhode Island as well. So you can get your tickets for that by going to riseupparanormal.com and clicking on the Paracon tab. And you can get your tickets there while you still can because, listen, there's stuff that's going to sell out. Like the paranormal investigation, sold out. Vendor tables, sold out. But you can still get your advanced general admission tickets. And, of course, they will sell tickets at the door as well. But it's better to get them in advance so you can make sure that when, you know, because if, if things start to fill up, you can't get into that nice air-conditioned theater. You, you don't want that. You need that. That's where, all the, that's where all the speakers are, but that's also where all the relief is if it's yeah. a nice hot summer day. So uh, definitely check us out at that. And then, of course, the Mass Paracon is coming up uh, at the end of September as well. And you can get tickets for that at massparacon.com. That's going to be a lot of fun. Get to, I think, as long as uh, everything goes according to the way that Sam had it planned, get to investigate Bentford Hall again. Hmm. I think it's going to be myself and John Tenney and uh, and maybe Stephanie if she comes along as well. And hopefully no bats this time. <laughs> but I'm sure there will be a bat. All right. We have about three minutes left. Let's see if we can take this call. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hello. Hi. You're on the air. Oh, hey, Tim. Oh, that's weird. I thought I was watching you guys live. How weird. Um, hi, it's Anna. Hi, Anna. How I, are you doing? I was on the cruise with you guys. You were? Yes. So I have to say, I did very much enjoy um, doing the UFO watch from the cruise ship. Is there ever? Are there ever going to be any plans to do that from the Bridgewater Triangle? I don't see why not. I mean, I don't... I was thinking about putting something... Yeah, I don't see why we couldn't all get together some night, and, you know, as long as we have permission. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could go to the ledge and uh, and do it there. Um, you know, not as an event, but just kind of like as a get-together and, and see if we can kind of have the same thing happen out there. Because we did, we did have some weird stuff happening when we were when we were looking up at the sky. There's a BFRO thing I'm doing in... Uh couple of weeks and that's one of the things i'm being brought in to do is help do a ufo skywalk and that's that's where is that going to be taking place where's where's that taking place so it's in bridgewater okay so you'll you'll let us know if you see anything and then we'll we'll book something follow up after that yeah that was really i think that would be an awesome outing i mean just bring the bug spray obviously because we'll be out of doors but you know right or or we can just like let them land on us and then you know feed them all to monies they might get trapped in his beard and hair. That's true. That is true. Well, uh, I'm glad that you had a good time, and it was uh, it was great being able to spend all that time with you and, and getting to meet your sister, too. Yes. She she was sad. She saw I was watching you guys on, uh, I had the TV to myself, so I was able to put you up on the big TV. And she was like, I have to go to work, so I can't sit here and watch it with you. <laughs> That's all right. She, she can always watch love. it later. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for calling in, and uh, and I will let you know if we can put something together like that. That would be awesome. I would definitely be interested and hopefully have the night off of work. Well, we'll make sure we work on a, on a night that you will have the night off. Cool. Thanks, Tim. All right. Take Bye, it Matt easy. and Matt. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And that about does it for us for this week's show. Uh, we will be back next week with another action-packed episode. We'll be back pretty much every week. Uh, even, the, even during the Ocean State Paracon, I usually come back here and do the show the night of, although the last couple of years I think I booked an event. But... Um, I think we'll we'll still be able to have a show. Maybe we can take the show on the road. The, we have the broadcast equipment here, the remote equipment here now. So who knows what we can pull off. But we will be here next Saturday night. Hopefully you will be as well. Remember, if you want to get a hold of us at any point during the week, 
SpookySouthCoast.com is our website. You can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC. Follow us on Instagram. And, of course, you can find us all individually on social media as well. So until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Kylie, I'm Tim. Stay spooktacular. <laughs>